Let's pray together, church. It's with great joy we come before you, Lord. It's with great joy and great hope that you are God, that you are exalted and highly exalted above this earth and the systems of this earth and the influence of this earth and the influence of even us. So we ask, oh God, for your influence this morning. Transform us, write our minds, write our thinking. Bring us to a place where we humble ourselves before you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you know that every Lego block created since 1958 still fits together? I mean, not if your dog chewed it up, but, but the Lego blocks today still fit in with Lego blocks from 1958. That's a long time ago. And the formula has not changed. Why? Because kids love Legos. And parents do unless they're left out on the floor late at night and you step on Legos because they hurt. <laughs> this week, my family had a Lego binge, if you call it. They pulled out the bag of Legos, laid it on top of the blanket, and it was a gold mine. And, and they were feasting upon taking blocks, creating spaceships, and, and X-wing fires, and anything that their minds could imagine. Our robot vacuum did not appreciate that. But the kids sure did. And they, with diligence, planned to try to make something and construct something that they thought was cool. But as I think about that, I ask you a question. When, when I was a kid, I played with Legos, and you may have too. But what's the difference when we get to adulthood... And we want to build or fashion something. We don't generally as adults run back to the Lego stack. Why not? Some of us run out to the wood shop. Or others to the fab shop. Others still might wake up early every morning to go to our job. Where we're part of fashioning a bridge. Or a building. At some point in life, men and women grow up to build things that are more important than X-wing fighters or starships. Because we know that, that there's an effort we can make to help others cross that river or cut that chicken. There's a need for something that's meaningful. And, and you and I have the God-given ability to affect that. 
You and I have been gifted with the education, with the skills, with the resources, with the tools to make something happen that will mean something more than when you drop it and it all explodes in the floor and your dad steps on it and hurts his foot. If you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to open up to Luke chapter 6. This morning at Grandparents' Day, I'm going to focus on the family. And opening with the illustration of, of forming something, but forming something that is meaningful is kind of where we're going to go this morning in, in the discussion. And it'll be probably less of a discussion and more of a sermon, but I hope that in your mind you're working through these things. And I want to begin back with family and, and view family here from the, the, the mode of it is something, it is an environment in which something is grown. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that, that family was started way back in the beginning. I mean, in the first two chapters of the Bible, we see God instituting man and woman together in different roles and different functions. But nonetheless, man and woman come together to form a group. And that group is, is called family. It is the, the most basic order in which children grow up in and learn how to play with Legos. Children learn how to use their manners, how to clean up their Chick-fil-A wrapper after they've eaten their sandwich, or don't learn how to clean up their Chick-fil-A wrapper. Family is something that is valuable. And, and we're in the 21st century. I, I, am, I understand that families look different. And, and oftentimes family members are estranged or removed. And, and sometimes there are single parent families or, or single child families or no children families for that matter. Families all look different. But nonetheless, family is, is family. And, and so I want to speak to you wherever you are today, whether your family is, is just starting, whether your family is finishing. God has given us this unit in order to form something and to do something. The Lord instituted family. And, and the Bible tells us so. So the question for you today is, what are you doing with that family? And, and in our culture today, it, we live in a world that's somewhat hostile to traditional Christian family. And, and I don't have to explain that to you a whole lot, but you know what that looks like. Traditional Christian family is that husband and wife come together, have children, and raise the children, pointing them to God, raising them in Christian morals and values to do it again. But all the while doing Christian things. That is the Christian view of family in a nutshell. And so I, I ask you to pay attention for the next few moments. Because this may be the most important moments for your family that's happened in the last 10 years. Not because I'm saying anything important. But because the Lord may have something to share with you about the direction of your family. 
how you're doing it, how you're not doing it, that may be important for you. Jeff read us this morning uh, the words that are 1,500, 2,500 years old, rather. And those are the words of Solomon. And if you knew Solomon, Solomon was not such a great family guy. <laughs> if you read his history, he just wasn't. So when he wrote this, uh, we're not sure. But we do know that the Lord inspired it, and what he wrote is true because it is inspired of God by his spirit. And, and he, re- he, he says this, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And you can think about the, the creation of a house, of something that's formed and fashioned, but not something that's for playtime, something that's for meaningful, eternal use. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman, whose job was to care and watch to see if any intruders were coming in, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early, and it is in vain that you go late to rest. In other words, all the things you're doing to try to be responsible are in vain, he says, unless the Lord is in it. Do you see the connection now? All the work that you're doing in your family, unless the Lord is in it, is in vain. Eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. In other words, children are an inheritance from the Lord. God has given you generation after generation. And it's so neat to see grandparents here today who, have, who care enough to come and be a part of their family on a Sunday in worship. That's beautiful to me. Children are a heritage from the Lord and the fruit of the womb are a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Notice... Uh, In a warrior, he doesn't carry arrows so that he looks neat to his friends. What does he carry arrows for? For a purpose, to protect himself and do what he needs to do with them. They do him no good sitting in the quiver. An arrow does no good sitting in the quiver. God has ordained and given us children for a purpose and generations for a purpose. Not to sit in a quiver. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with children. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks at his enemies before the gate. Question I want to ask you this morning. You may be familiar with church. If nothing less, you're here at church today. So today, if you're a guest with us and you may not be a Christian. And that's okay. If you're here, we're glad to have you here. But I do want to ask you some questions because we're here to talk about Christian things. And we're here to examine what the Word of God tells us and then to say, okay, God, you've given us your Word. What do we do with it? And the question I ask you then is, has the Lord built your house? Is the Lord building your house? Grandparents, great-grandparents. 
parents? Or are you fashioning your house, your home, your family with what the world would give to you as this is what it's supposed to look like? And there is a stark difference, mind you. So Christian, I invite you to listen up because there is a stark difference with what the world gives you that the goals of your family are and what the scripture gives us as the goal of your family. So what is your goal? I sat down our family last night as we do several times a week. And I said, what's the goal of our family? What's the purpose of our family? And so I ask you, church, this morning, what is the goal of your family? What are you doing with your family? Is it there as a byproduct of who you are, but yet you're... you're Passions and desires are elsewhere living in other things and your family just happens to be attached to you and you're dragging them along hoping they'll stay attached and looking around every now and then to see if they're there? Or is your family something that you are growing and, and nourishing, pulling along, making sure, caring for while you bring them to a destination? Simply said, are, are your goals of God or, your, or are your goals of the world? Are your goals of God or are they of the world? In direct proportion to that is, is the joy I believe that you will find in your family. Because when your family is a burden and they're just holding you back while you're trying to do everything you want to do, you begin to despise that burden. But when your family is something that you're nurturing and trying to bring along with you to the destination, you nurture and care for your family. Christian, may I remind you that your family is not your own. And may I do this in a respectful but in a way that is Authoritative. Your family is not your own. So fathers and mothers, if you're treating your family like it's you do whatever you want to do, you're, you're abandoning what God's desire is for your family. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says you were bought with a price. You are not your own. And so may I remind each one of us as Christians, it is not our job to do whatever we wish with our family. It is our job to be obedient to our family. To what God would have us do. So what would God have us do? I have two things for you that I believe God is calling us to do in our families. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Question number one, what is your house built on? What foundation is your house, is the structure of your family built on? Secondly, what is your house trying to build? What is your house built on? And then what is your house trying to build? What are you doing? Why you a family? Luke chapter 6, you've got in your Bibles, that was the longest introduction I've ever had to a sermon. <clears throat> but it's on purpose. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. 
I asked you to turn there. Here we go. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Jesus preaching. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who wants, who comes to me and hears my words and does them will show you what he's like. I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well. And what is this? This is the man who hears the words of Jesus and does them. When the flood arose, stream broke against the house. It could not shake it because it had been well built on the words of Jesus. But the one who hears and does not do them. Now let me stop right there and just point out to you. Jesus doesn't say the one who doesn't hear. He says the one who hears and does not do. It's not the church goers. It's the church doers who build their rock, their foundation on the rock. And there's a big difference. So uh, to step into family, let me finish the verse and I'll come into that. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. And the streams broke against it. Immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Now, Jesus was absolutely speaking to individuals here. However, there is great application for this principle in our families. Are not our families meant to be groups of individuals and a Christian family, a group of Christian individuals? And so this morning I want to make some definitions. And when I, do, when I counsel for marriage or talk to people about marriage, I talk about it is important for you to know, are you desiring a Christian marriage or a marriage? There is a, a great distinction. And I even had a conversation in the past few weeks with someone. Are you desiring a Christian marriage or just to be married? Because a Christian marriage is very different now. Than what our culture defines or even the dictionary defines as marriage. Christian marriage is a man and woman coming together, making a covenant to God and to each other to live according to what God has prescribed. That's Christian marriage. Other marriage is making a commitment to someone. And I'm not knocking other marriage. I'm just saying that I am a Christian in a Christian marriage. And it is how God defined it. Not anyone else. Not even Noah Webster. With that, are you a Christian family or are you a family? Lots of families go to church. Lots of families don't go to church. That doesn't define whether or not you're a Christian family. Because at the heart of Christian family is this. I am a Christian man 
making a commitment to my God that I am going to run my family in the way that he has prescribed. I'm going to honor the things he honors. I'm going to despise the things he despises. And I'm going to sacrifice as Jesus sacrificed for us, for my family. I'm going to love. What's love, church? What's the definition of love? Wanting the best for someone, doing something about it. I'm going to love my family because I'm in a Christian family. 70% of youth stop attending church when they graduate from high school. Why? Y'all better not fulfill that statistic. 70. Seven, zero. Why? 64% of today's young adult nuns, meaning I subscribe to no religion. I'm a nun. Non-religion. 64% of those were raised in a religious, religious home. Put it in quotes. However, that is defined. But then left it. Why? Now, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> Y'all know that. I know that. But I have some, some thoughts. I believe that most of these, not all of them, certainly not all of them, but a majority of these are church-going families rather than Christian families. And a church-going family comes to church. Uh, But they may not come if it's baseball season or if it's convenient or more expedient to do something else. A Christian family is one who goes to church because they've been in church as a family all week. And they want to go with their other brothers and sisters to worship. Uh, In other words, the church is not the primary church. The home is the primary church. And then you come to your local church to unite your home family church with other family churches so that you can worship together. I I could say it like this, and this is just me talking. If church doesn't happen at home, church doesn't happen at church. This is not to be mean or critical of anybody. This is to lay a principle or foundation to say, if we are expecting ourselves to have a family that will pursue Christianity, we've got to do it at home. And it's not a formula. I, I can't say that all of my children are going to end up Following Christ, I I can't say that. I pray for them every day. It's not a formula. But what I can say is, if our families are not functioning as a church at home, why do we expect our our families to grow up as Christian individuals? Something to think about. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 
For through him we have both access into one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the what? What's it say? Household of God, the family of God. You get it? That there is a family of God. And what is the family of God built on? Look in verse 20 for me. What's the family, the household of God built on? Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So the the church family is built on the truths passed down by the apostles and prophets, the scriptures. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone what everything hinges upon. So, if your family is a Christian family, what do you think that the foundation of your family ought to be then, friends? Not the baseball schedule. Right? But what the scripture brings to us. And Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, we are a subset of the church. In a smaller unit. And husbands, wives, moms, dads, grandparents, great-grandparents. All of you are there to minister to those in your family. And whether they're grown and out of the house or just still nursing. You are a minister within your family. As part of the family of God. Look in verse 22. That's just good. Just down a couple more verses. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see that? If your home, if, if you, let me start with you first. If, if you are not a dwelling place for God's Spirit, how can we expect anything in our home? To be a dwelling place for Christian character. And if our homes are not a dwelling place of Christian character, how do we expect when we come to church for our church to be a place of Christian character? So now when you go home, you've got to be a Christian man in your home. So that things work out from there. That's the way God ordered it. It's It's, it's beautiful. Now, let me wrap up with this. For all of us here, there, there will be a test. Now, some of you have gone through med school. Some of you have gone through certain trainings. Um, some of you have gone through the training of hard knocks, the school of hard knocks. There's a test, and my son is preparing for ACT right now. And what did we tell you, Eli? What's the most important thing about 11th grade for you? Make sure you do well on this test. That's, that's 11th grade. That is your scholastic goal. There's a test. Let me read to you the test coming up in Scripture. Are y'all, y'all still with me right here? This is a good passage. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 through 15. There's a test. According to the grace of God given to me, Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. The Apostle Paul. 
Let each one take care now how he builds on it. So we're talking about building in our theme today. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, different building materials. People are going to come, build on the foundation, different materials. Each one's work will become manifest. That's a word we may not use a whole lot, but it will become made known or made clear. For the day will disclose it. There's a day that's going to test and disclose. Do you know? Now, you can, you can kind of fake it for a while in school. But there's a reckoning day when you're going to have to take those tests and those final exams where if you don't know it, you won't get the grade you deserve. And this is what he's speaking of here. It will be, the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. So here's the point. Grandparents, great-grandparents, mothers, fathers, there will be a test. What are you building? Church members, there will be a test. How did we build our church? And may I remind you, for each of you as individuals, there will be an examination. What we believe as Christians is that at the end of the age, at the end of of when Jesus comes back or when we die, we go before Jesus Christ, the righteous judge, and he will judge each one of us. I would be remiss to not share with you that he will examine you. And he's not going to examine, well, did you go to church or, or did you, were you nice or did you say potty words? That'll be there. But the real examination is, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Have you surrendered to the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your self-centered life and come to a Christ-centered life? And for those who are in Christ, the Bible says we will spend, when the roles are called up yonder, we will be there. And we'll spend all of our days rejoicing with Him in His presence. But for those who are not in Christ, there will be judgment in a place called hell that God has prepared for those who are not in Christ. There's always a test. So you start with a Christian church. You think about the Christian family. And now I ask you, are you a Christian man or woman? And that's where it starts. And it starts by your conversion to Christianity. You being born again. Into Christ. Alright, second question. First question is, what is your house built on? And the second question is this. What are you trying to build? You are all part of a family. What are you trying to build? So, going back to the Lego illustration. I walk in. 
And sometimes everybody's happy at the big pile of Legos because there's a, a four square single, single dimension and, and that goes right on the top of my speeder that I'm building. But you know what happens. Have you ever played Legos with somebody? You know what happens. That one piece becomes really important to more than one person. And when that happens, it sounds a little like this. Ah! That's mine! No, that's mine! You've probably heard it before. It may not be a Lego piece. It might be something different. Even as adults, we hear it. And we do it. What are you trying to build? Because somebody's trying to build a speeder, and the other one's trying to build the Death Star. And you've got different people building different things with the same Lego materials. So the question, your family, what are you trying to do with your family? First part of the message, we talk about what is our family, what's it built on. Now, what are we doing with it? Are we building a Death Star or a speeder or something else? What are you doing with your family? Now, let me give you a couple of, of scripture passages to give you a thought. And the main one is Ephesians 3.14. This is where we'll spend the rest of our time. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. This is Paul and his prayer for spiritual strength. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every what? Y'all jump back in with me. This is point number two. Grab this. What are you built on? What are you building? From whom every what? Family in heaven and on earth is what? Is name. Now, Jeff. How many children have you named? Four. Four children. Okay. Why didn't you name more than four? <laughs> That's a smart man. Listen to him. I thought about naming Ellie a different name. I don't know if you knew that. I was going to name her Elvira. Thought it. Might fit. Ellie, can I call you Elvira? No, I don't think so. Why can't I call her by whatever name that I choose and say, this is now your name? Because she's not my daughter. She's not mine. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is What? Get it? How many families are God's families? Well, he's named every family in heaven and on earth. And when you name something, it's yours. You are the owner. You are the one who, who decides what, what the purpose is for that. When an inventor creates something, he gets to name it. Now, if God has named families and has created them, we saw earlier, and now he's named them, who gets to decide what those families do? God does. And, and look at verse 16. 
Why has he named them? That according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being. Watch this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Being rooted and grounded in love, you might have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ. Now that's a lot of words. Let me break that down for you. God has named families, and he's given that they might know him and know his love. So let me give you some application as you walk out here today. Let me give you some application. What are you building? If you desire this Christian family we've talked about, what are you building? What, are you, what do you want your family to know? What do you want your family to do? God has named families and he's given them a purpose. And the prayer that Paul gave is that the families might know the love of Christ. So family, grandmother, what are you doing? Are you allowing your children and grandchildren to know the love of Christ? Next week, we're going to have a young man baptized in our church. Right? And I asked him, and we've talked about it. And one of the reasons this young man is going to be baptized is because his great-grandmother showed him the love of Christ. Right? That's right. Let me leave you with this hope. Two months ago, I would have thought, that's a long shot. Wouldn't you have, Peyton? Man's going to be baptized next week and proclaim to you that he gave his life to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and knows exactly what that means and has full intentions of doing that. Because his great-grandmother fulfilled what family is supposed to do. Let me give you that image again. Remember at the beginning, you've got those family members that are just running, hoping their family keeps up with them because they've got things to do. And then you have a great-grandmother that says, young man, let me show you who Jesus is. Christian family. In 2 Timothy... Paul writes, and and this will be the last thing I'll say. This same situation happened in the Bible. 2 Timothy 1, 5 and 6. I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith, Timothy. I see your faith, Timothy. It is a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and now you. Lois had it. And she passed it down and didn't run away from Eunice. And said, Eunice, let me show you the love of Christ. And then Eunice had young Timothy and said, Timothy, let me show you the love of Christ. Comprehend this. What is your family built on? And what are you building? Christian family is different than what the world Calls family.
Christian family begins with Christian. And maybe you need to become a Christian today. Christian family begins with Christians. Maybe you need to commit yourself to your family more than the other things that you're chasing in this world. Christian family begins with Christians. Christian, will you be a part of a Christian family? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Bible that teaches us what to do with family, what our purpose is as family. And oh God, save our lost family members. We pray and ask and beg of you. God, we trust you. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.